0: okay hello how are you
1: good how are you
0: uh welcome to today's segment of historian speaks hello uh i am historian speaks and welcome let me begin before we get into the meat of today's episode which will be on african americans and the vote i'm gonna make a few announcements about the site and the work that we're trying to do Historianspeech.org is a web platform that began this year in February, and we have been covering important events in African-American contemporary history, from COVID-19, through the protests. And we need your support. We have a weekly blog, a podcast. We also have photography and videos on our site and we keep you in touch with the events that impact Black America. You can support our site in three ways. First, you can visit the site. Visit the site early and often. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor about the important work we're doing at historianspeaks.org. Two, join our email list. You will receive weekly updates about new blogs, new updates on the site, new podcasts, and other exciting information that is going on in Black America. Three, donate, donate, donate. There's a PayPal link on the site. Donate what you can. We need your contributions to keep our site going. We need your contributions to help us expand and do the important work that needs to be done in providing you up-to-date, up-to-the-minute updates about various aspects of the contemporary Black American experience. Today, we're going to feature a, a podcast today on African-Americans in the Vote. And I'm very pleased to have uh, our assistant editor, uh, Katrina Drake. And uh, Ms. Drake, why don't you say a little bit about yourself and uh, introduce yourself to our listening audience.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Kishanta Drake. Um, I'm an assistant editor at historianspeaks.org. Um, I'm also a graduate student at Michigan State University where I major in um, English literature.
0: Okay, very good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. We're so pleased to have you. Uh, I think this conversation is incredibly important uh, as most of you know and as uh, the listeners obviously know, November 3rd is election day. We're in uh, another important four-year cycle and we thought it might be useful to talk a little bit about African Americans and the vote and so we want to talk about various topics that we think are central to helping uh, individuals understand the importance of voting and some of the impediments that African Americans face uh, in the voting process. Uh, And so we're going to discuss things like voter suppression, uh, the challenges that uh, felons uh, face, uh, ex-felons coming back into society, a little bit about some of the challenges of our elderly populations, and then, of course, uh, youth. And then we want to conclude and talk a bit about the future of voting. So let's jump right into it and uh, start uh, with uh, some of the challenges that uh, we see in terms of dealing with the vote as it relates to uh, voter suppression. A lot in the news these days uh, about voter suppression and the challenges that African Americans are facing. Can uh, you talk a little bit more about that, Ms. Drake, in terms of uh, some of the important issues that you see uh, in that arena for African American voters? Yes. Um, one of
1: the things that I find about uh problematic is like the limited education about the electoral process itself. Um, Growing up and within my education, I really didn't learn about the electoral uh, process. Um, I felt like it'll be important to include that, you know, in um, education and, you know, as we grow, because um, in my state at the age of 16, you can now, like once you turn 16, you can register uh, to vote, which is an important aspect, but I feel like it's not talked about, it's not really discussed in poor and working class families, um, at least for my family. They never discussed with me the importance of registering to vote and voting. So that was something that I had to learn on my own, so um, I think there should be more um, information given about educating people on the electoral process itself.
0: Okay, Miss Drake, what, what state are you in? Uh, what um, state yes, you going, um, I'm
1: from Mississippi, so
0: yeah. Okay, right, Mississippi, Mississippi. So we know that uh, Mississippi has had a long history of voter suppression, and of course uh, has had uh, a, a long history of a, a real determined fight by African Americans in the state to secure voting rights, uh, certainly uh, People like Margaret Evers come to mind, Fannie Lou Hamer, right. and many, many others fighting uh, for the right uh, of African Americans to vote. So, yes, I think you raise a very important question there. Um, I think, yeah, I think some of this is generational as well. Right. Um, uh, growing up as a, um, a young person in, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, I grew up in a working-class home, and my parents always voted, and the. So, we weren't as dependent as young people on the election board or on uh, uh, advertisements or campaigns. Um, The responsibility for voting uh, was, in fact, deeply embedded uh, in the psyche of my parents, who uh, had migrated from uh, North Carolina to uh, Baltimore as part of the Great Migration. Uh, And so they were. understood the importance of voting, uh, were very engaged with it. Uh, in fact, they used to take us. Uh, I can remember as a boy uh, going uh, in the, in the backseat of the car in the same way that one would go to church. <laughs> it was a family ritual. So I can remember doing that at every facet of my life. And in, in the community that I grew up in, we were encouraged to be politically literate. My parents read the uh, Newspaper and were actively uh, watched the political convention. In fact, I watched my first convention when I was eight years old, the 1976 political convention, um, um, in which uh, Joe Ford ran against Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter obviously won. But what I remember about it is, and I've written about this uh, in speaks.org is Barbara Jordan. I got to see Barbara Jordan, uh, the great uh, legislator from Texas for the first time in my life. And uh, I can remember my father saying that uh, Barbara Jordan, oh, there's oh, said that's Barbara Jordan. She's something else. One of the great uh, pioneers for African-American electoral rights in the state of Texas, a Texas Southern grad, uh, graduate of Boston University uh, with a law degree, and was really an outstanding individual. And she was really a dynamic presence uh, there. So. Uh, subsequently, then, at the uh, when I turned 17, 18, and I was ready to vote, I became involved in a political campaign and was very active in the process. And so that those kinds of experiences, I think, have colored my understanding of the importance of voting. Um, instilled in me very young by my parents and the people in the working class communities, the black communities that I grew up in, um, many of whom, uh, many of the uh, individuals at that time, of course, uh, didn't even have um some of them didn't have high school education right. but they understood the importance of voting so yes yeah, so I think those generations so you raise a very important point here in terms of wh- you know, what has happened in our communities in terms of uh these the passing on this generational knowledge but then also perhaps more importantly the ways in which there are so many additional impediments for young people not knowing where to vote not knowing where to get the information not understanding the process uh and again now that we're in the midst of a pandemic, it's uh, even more challenging because we have a situation where uh, many states are relying on absentee voting. A uh, Lots of people have not participated in that system before. And so knowing uh, that one has to request the, the ballot, knowing when that ballot is to be uh, submitted. <laughs> and if you can't mail it in since there have been problems with the Postal Service, where to take it. Um, the fact that you can do, in most states, early in-person voting up to November the 2nd. And then, of course, you can vote on Election Day, November the 3rd, but then knowing where to go uh, in your county or in your space, uh, most of that, of course, being controlled by the state can be a really challenging uh, issue. One of the things that you see uh, in terms of an impediment as it relates to the broad issue of suppression, what other impediments do you see?
1: um you also mentioned um about the ballot and knowing when to request a ballot and when to mail it back um for me personally um, i reside in michigan now and i requested my ballot um back in september and as of today i have n- still have not received my ballot so I, oh, that's wow. forcing okay. me to have to drive home to actually vote so i feel like that's a issue as well and um also, like, um, in my state, uh, my home state of Mississippi, um, particularly my city in Vicksburg, sometimes the um, districts that we are um, supposed to vote in, they change, and that's also oh, the issue right. um, as, right. far as transportation goes. We do not have public transportation in Vicksburg, Mississippi. The only public transportation oh, that we have is for the elderly, and that is to take the elderly from their homes to the hospital, not necessarily to uh, somewhere they can vote. So, that's an awesome issue especially
0: for the youth and elderly. Right, to be sure, yeah. So that's, that's something we're going to come to, but certainly issue of transportation, access to transportation, that of course is causing a great deal of problems, I think, in terms of the uh, ability of African-Americans to, 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 to vote. Uh, let's move on and talk a little bit about the prison population and some of the challenges that uh, folks reentering uh, the community after a felony conviction and then having served their the time uh what are some of the challenges that you see uh those individuals facing and
1: a lot of them uh, are facing um challenges restoring their uh voting rights um okay yeah so a lot of them um uh, so once so um for particular crimes like uh, nonviolent is- uh, crimes you can actually get those expunged off your record however um there's a fee you know, a company with getting those things expunged off your record, which I find kind of limits people from, like, it kind of um, deters people from actually getting their records expunged and actually restoring their voting um, rights. So I find that to be an issue because, especially for um, people who are trying to. Acclimate themselves back into society. It's kind of difficult because first of all, like it's hard to find a job when you're a convicted felon. Right, right,
0: right, right. Yeah,
1: it's it's hard to find a place to live. Like when you're a convicted felon, you just got out of prison. um Sometimes when people get out, they don't have family to lean on. They don't have anything, so it's kind of difficult as far as that goes. And um, yeah, I feel like if the if the criminal justice system is about um you know um restoring the person kind of bringing them back into society making them making them uh a better i feel like that's not a way to do it because we're basically taking them back they're reminded that they do not have the right to vote so it's kind of like are they really citizens or are they really um trying to i guess um rehabilitate them like if so like um, right, yeah.
0: So you've done the time, but now you don't have a dime. And you can't exactly. then afford to pay these fees to have things expunged. That then exactly. does not allow you to get access to voting. And again, we know with the uh, 13th Amendment, of course, it abolishes slavery except mm-hmm. as punishment for a crime. And so many uh, individuals, once you've committed a felony, you lose your citizens citizenship rights and those have to be restored to you. And so there are many... Prisoner restoration programs around the country that are working uh, on this issue. But it has a tremendous impact, especially in low-income communities, where uh, the votes are tied to uh, uh, to and, and gainful employment are tied to the tax base, are tied to the kinds of uh, the quality of the schools, the quality of services and resources that are available. And certainly, we know that uh, voting has a tremendous impact then on your ability to elect representatives who can uh, represent your interests and do the kinds of things to improve the community. And so if you don't have that ability, large sectors, entire uh, uh, sectors of your community uh, does not have access to the ballot, then your community will be impoverished to be sure. And so that's one of the real challenges that we, uh, that we see uh, in our communities and it's an ongoing issue I think in terms of contestation I, I think uh, previously you sort of talked about the fact that uh, uh, you know African Americans make up between about 13 or 14% of the population and yet about 33% of the uh, incarcerated uh, community And so you talked about a little bit about that before and so this is a real challenge and so as we are seeing a lot of work being done around uh, bail reform, as we've seen uh, a lot of work being done around prisoner rights, as we've seen uh, a lots of work being done in terms of corporations, uh, hiring uh, individuals who have uh, felony records. We really need to push very aggressively around uh, this issue of voting, and this becomes particularly important when we're talking not only about presidential, the presidential cycle, but in fact uh, about the uh, local and state elections, which for many people are really more important at the end of the day, right? <laughs> because those are going to be really affecting many aspects of your everyday existence in a very direct and tangible way. So, you know, the, the quality of your schools, uh, your tax structure, the, your ability to find an employment, your ability to uh, have basic uh, the things that you need to survive as a citizen. So those are going to be critical kinds of issues. And so we really need to look very carefully as many groups are doing at those kinds of uh, issues. What about the elderly? The elderly are a growing segment of our, of our population and, and there's so many uh, issues that we can talk about there, but what, what do you see as some of the real challenges? And you mentioned that you are uh, from the state of Mississippi and the fact that there's no public transportation in Vicksburg. And so, uh um, know what's going on what's going on
1: um so as far as the elderly goes I remember uh growing up and um me and my grandmother was very close and actually she was one of the people to teach me about um voting and my rights to uh, my right to vote and every year non-stop I would pick my grandmother up and I'll pick her friends up and I'll take them to uh, the place where we would be voting and um take them there because a lot of these elderly people they want to vote like they want to more so than some of the youth and um, they just don't have transportation like they don't have ways to get there again like we don't have public transportation we don't have people who work at these centers to come and and bring ballots to these elderly people so that they can vote I feel like that'll be useful if someone could Get someone from the center itself and actually bring ballots for these elderly people to vote because I feel like that's important. Their vote matters just as well as anybody else's
0: vote. Right to be sure. Yeah, that's that's critically important. I think as we think about that. Yeah, that's critically important.
1: And another issue is, um, like we mentioned before, the lines, the lines of standing in line. There's like. People stand in lines hours and hours and they have to wear masks. A lot of these elderly people have um, conditions where they can't stand in line and wear masks for hours and hours just to vote. Right, you know? right. So right. that's another issue.
0: For sure. And I, and I think the pandemic has compounded it in the sense that right. if you didn't, if you weren't following those ADA uh, requirements previously, and now with the pandemic, right. it seems like a lot of these polling places are really behind the curve. In, in, in dealing with these issues so people said some states are saying oh well we've dealt with absentee ballots and so and so on but this is really a unique uh, situation and I and I think a lot of, of, of states are really behind the curve here in terms of thinking about the various populations that they have to serve uh, and that one has to kind of think uh, in many different ways about serving these populations you know what are the needs of of, of the elderly uh in terms of accessing the polling place um and not only in terms of uh just sending in your absentee ballot that's that's one way to do it but a lot of people uh, are going to be actually physically coming to the polling place and so what do you do about that and especially people uh older people who are accustomed to physically going to the voting place and right. and voting as opposed to using some of these other methods so that's a real uh, challenge one of the other issues uh, again that we i would like you to talk a little bit about too is is uh this trend that we're seeing throughout the country this is not new uh, to, uh, create a condition whereby people need, um, excessive amounts of identification in order to, uh, to vote. And so that becomes a particular problem. Uh, we know in the past, uh, the uh, 14th amendment gave African-American men the right to vote. And then of course, technically the uh, 19th amendment, which is ratified in 1920 gives women the vote. But we know for African-Americans, uh, the and, and since elections are controlled by the states, we know that in many southern states, many extra legal means such as a poll tax and literacy test and other sorts of things were used to deny uh, individuals the ballot. And we've seen a similar kind of uh, project here in terms of the use of various types of identification. And so, could you talk a little bit about that in terms of what you've seen, especially in a state like Mississippi? So yes.
1: Um... Well, growing up, my grandmother, uh, she was birthed at home by a midwife, so um, she didn't really write off, my uh, her mother wasn't write off, um, she didn't, her mother didn't write off get like a birth certificate for her, so when it came to trying to get identification, it was really difficult because to get identification, you must have a birth certificate, you also must have a social security number and it was kind of difficult because she had no idea where she could get a birth certificate or even if she or if she even had one so it was kind of difficult that's difficult because a lot of elderly people they don't have birth certificates i mean because most of them were birthed by midwives so that's kind of difficult when it comes to uh voting because when you vote the first thing one of the first things they ask you for is um a birth certificate and also, I think another issue is, is the fact that a lot of these elderly people are not literate. They can't read and write. Um, so when they're going and they're voting or whatnot, they don't have anyone to assist them because you cannot assist someone when they're voting. So a lot of them, they can't read and write. So in many ways, that's kind of a hinder itself. So, oh,
0: right, for sure, yeah. So that's, so, so voter literacy programs, uh, certainly could be very helpful in this regard and uh, certainly, uh, you know, improving basic literacy and other sorts of things, especially in places like like Mississippi. So, yeah, so access issues are extremely important. Um, identification, working out these voter identification issues, and we're seeing that as a tactic that's sort of reminiscent of what we've seen in the past uh, to keep uh, individuals... Uh, uh, deficient or unable to vote and then of course our transportation issues as you suggested certainly can be a real impediment to voting so that's certainly something that we've got to really uh address in, in communities what about our young people uh in terms of the voting uh sort of impediments that young people and, and things that keep uh younger they're, they're sort of all reasons we see uh to get out the youth um uh, of, of uh, get out the youth vote and a lot of campaigns uh, focusing on that kind of thing, uh, young people are very much involved, were very much involved in the primary season for both parties and of course um, uh, various candidates of course excited young people, Bernie Saunders and uh, Elizabeth Warren and also other people had large numbers of uh, young people involved with, with the campaigns. What are some of the, some of the challenges uh, here in terms of getting young people involved in the, in the process?
1: Again, with younger people, I think it's just about education, like not many younger people are educated about the electoral process itself, Um, not many people, not many young people around my age um, are encouraged to vote, like um, growing up, I didn't have anyone besides my grandmother who said, okay, it's important, like your vote matters, this is important, you know, they didn't um, emphasize the importance of voting and having the right to vote. It wasn't until I self-educated myself about the electoral process and about the history of African Americans and voting in this country that I realized the importance of my vote. So um, we have that, but also I think there there's some positives. I mean, you know, we have the Black Lives Matter movement, which is encouraging, you know, younger people to get involved and become active within their community. And also we have Black Twitter, which encourages us also. Like, Black Twitter is one thing that, the youth has been using to kind of um, express their concerns about their community and also express their concerns about um society itself like um it's ways to reach younger people and to get them to vote i mean i feel like um, those are some of the issues that we face and also one of another issue that we face is like um not feeling that our vote matters um a lot of propaganda has been circulating saying like, oh, your vote, it doesn't matter because it doesn't count. So it yeah. doesn't matter. But I feel like we should take into account that our vote does matter. It does count. And it's very important. Our our vote is very important on the local and state level so, and national level. But it's very important on the local and state because when we vote on the local and state level, we determine who represents us in our community. And we can bring about change by um, electing people who have our best interests at heart in those offices in, uh, in those offices and positions
0: right absolutely so yeah, so the ultimate voter suppression is to tell our young people that their vote doesn't matter uh, and that uh, and that they don't matter ultimately in the process and nothing could be further from the truth because indeed uh, much of the energy in the process actually comes from young people and they are of the future, and they will be the the leaders of tomorrow. And so the fact that they can uh, get educated, uh, they should know as much as possible about the process, how to become actively involved in the process, not only voting, but eventually running for office, running for the county council, running for the city council, running for the county commission, uh, running for the school board. These are in higher offices, mayor, and governor, and so forth, and so on, and senator, and U.S. representative, this is critically important. And so voting is an opportunity to also groom the leaders of tomorrow. And we must uh, take that very seriously. And it's interesting if you look at a number of individuals, one of the best examples, John Lewis, who was very involved in many aspects of the civil rights uh, movement as a uh, as a student leader in SNCC, uh, as a freedom rider, as a participant uh, in the, uh, uh, the 1965 uh, march uh, from Selma to Montgomery, and then the, the prequel in terms of the uh, Bloody Bloody Sunday uh, on Edmund Pettus Bridge, uh, and then of course the uh, outstanding uh, career that he had, uh, obviously as a, as a congressman. The same can be said of uh, Andrew Young and Julian Bond and others, many, many others who uh, really made their bones as young people in the civil rights movement, and then went on to uh, careers uh, as legislatures, legislators at the, at the local and the state and the federal level. So, again, uh, we need to make sure we're encouraging our young people to vote uh, and using the technologies that are available to reach them. Uh, just a plug here for historianspeaks.org. We are on uh, facebook Twitter and instagram and so you can find us there as well and so we are always uh, spreading the good the good news about voting and talking about issues that are important to african Americans uh, and the vote okay so what do we uh, what do we think here in terms of now that we talked about these various facets of the vote and some of the problems uh, what do we see here in terms of the future of voting what 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 are some of the things that we and envision in terms of correcting the wrongs of the past, um, trying to make uh, the voting box more accessible, trying to get some of these groups more engaged, trying to remove impediments for our elderly uh, and for those who are uh, former felons, uh, and trying to get our youth motivated. What, what, what's the future of voting and, and what do we have to look forward to in the years to come?
1: I feel like the future in voting is bright. Um, I feel like some of the ways that we could make the future brighter is um, to educate people about the electoral process. Um, To educate, just basically educate people about how to vote, where you need to go to vote, how to register to vote. I feel like those things are extremely important because if people don't know, they won't do it. Like, if I have no idea how to do something and nobody's telling me or offering me resources to figure this thing out, h- how am I supposed to do what I need to do?
0: Right, so, right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm.
1: Education is very important. Right. Um, I feel like there should be more accommodations for elderly people, more transportation, um, different ways that elderly people. There should be different ways, multiple ways that elderly people can move. Right. Um, As far as the youth goes, I feel like some of these things, like uh, like education about the electoral process, that should be in the education system. Like we should learn that,
0: right? You Mm -hmm. know,
1: that should be a part of our education. Yeah, we should we should learn about those things because I feel like those things are important. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So right. So so really right. So making sure that we have stronger voter education at all levels, from the cradle to the grave. We're making the kinds of accommodations uh, that are available. I mean, I think some people have suggested even making Election Day a national holiday. Right. But I think more, perhaps more important is I was sort of thinking about uh, our current situation is to really think about the month of October as essentially being voting month and to encourage people to vote uh, throughout the month of October right up to November 3rd. Uh, and so that if that can become a national mindset. Uh, it will increase civic participation. It gives people the opportunity to engage in voter education, to talk about the importance of that kind of thing. And we can devote ourselves to, uh, you know, blitzing the airways with ads, uh, the, the radio. So we, we, we can build websites where people can get voter information. We can use uh, the month of October in our schools, as you're suggesting, as uh, Civics Month where we are uh, providing modules and uh, opportunities where we can get speakers to come in and talk about from voter, uh, from, from non-partisan uh, voting groups to come and talk with students about the importance of these projects, to come to our churches and our community centers and other places uh, to engage in these processes. I think that would be particularly useful. And then one of the things that we talked about before is that you know uh the issue of technology how do we make uh, these things accessible and so one of the things that we need to do given the fact that we use technology in so many aspects of our lives uh, uh, this year with the u.s census of course you can complete your census questionnaire uh, from the privacy of your home uh, using the internet and so we know that that certainly could be done with voting Uh, and so that would certainly be useful and then of course you could do a follow-up campaign as a census does uh, with people who uh, have not voted or need to be reminded to vote Uh, and so there would still be an opportunity for those who didn't want to do it that way to do it in the public sphere we could uh, instead of um, using um, your license or your uh, or your id uh, your state id or your birth certificate we can, in fact, use facial recognition or fingerprint swipes and other kinds of things to allow people to have access to their records. And so, um, this is and perhaps creating a national database for, for voting uh, is something that we might think about because that certainly could ease a lot of the problems here. Uh, and you know, do it in the same way that you, you have created other national databases for all sorts of things that we we have in everyday life. Uh, So these are the kinds of things that I think would be useful um, as we are thinking about the future of voting and what voting should look like uh, in a society that's dedicated, that should be dedicated to the furtherance of democracy, really increasing the number of voters, uh, overcoming many of the obstacles that we talked about here in terms of transportation or access to identification or increasing uh, education or uh, eliminating um, barriers to voting uh, whether it be physical or mental or uh, based on one's previous condition or one's committed a crime and so forth and so on. So all of these things I think are critically uh, important. Um, Any closing thoughts about African Americans in the vote? what, what, what message would you have for uh, the individuals that we've talked to, and to our fellow Americans about voting? Um,
1: first, I want to say that black votes matter.
0: And, yes, indeed.
1: Uh, and I also want to say that we have to be like the change that we want to see. So if we want to see change, we have to implement it.
0: Right, to be sure. And so I think that's critically important that, that black votes matter. Yeah, I'll just borrow your phrase that they matter. Uh, And so that's closely connected to the fact that black lives matter. And so you can't say you're interested in black lives if you're not voting. Uh, And so that's going to be sort of a crucial uh, issue. And so to connect those kinds of issues to our political behavior, uh, is really going to be extremely important, I think, in the, in the long run, in terms of making uh, voting more widespread and getting people engaged in the process, uh, helping people to cut through all of the noise, all of the red tape, all of the misperceptions uh, and, and falsehoods about voting and, and its impact on our communities and making sure Voting is important, to be sure, but it's not the only thing that we need to do. We need to take an active role in our communities. We need to be actively engaged in helping people to understand the importance of civic engagement at a number of different levels, uh, and that our engagement with uh, the society in which we live really requires lots of things, and voting is a crucial first step. and so that is really an important uh, issue. So, uh, Mr. Drake, I want to thank you uh, for participating in this lively conversation about African-Americans in the vote. Uh, to the listeners, we want to encourage you to be actively engaged with historianspeaks.org. We talk here about the importance of social media. And so you can find us on Twitter uh, and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, And please, please visit our website early and often. Uh, Listen to this podcast. Talk with a friend and a neighbor about the importance of voting. Uh, Be sure to come to the website. Visit us. Join the email list. Donate to historianspeaks.org. We need your support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And remember to vote on November 3rd. Visit historianspeaks.org. You have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And we look forward to our next installment of Historian Speaks. Signing off.